0: Limerick today with Joe Nash on live ninety-five
1: with HFC Midwest. For updated factual information, see HSC.ie. By staying apart, we can save lives. So do you have children at home who are trying to make sense of the COVID-19 pandemic? Perhaps they're asking questions like when am I going back to school? Why can't I go outside and play with my friends like I used to, to take just two of many examples? Lots of parents listening this morning may be wondering how to best answer these questions. Is absolute honesty the best approach or does it depend on the individual child, their age, their level of maturity and all of that? How can parents help their children in practical ways throughout the pandemic as we enter into the summer months? Uh, There won't be any homework to complete at the kitchen table and of course summer camps or or holidays abroad, uh, they're not going to happen to fill the time either. Well, John sharry uh, from Psychologist Parenting and Limerick Mums and good friends of the Limerick Today show, Trish Lahan and Sarah Lee Cassidy, join me on the line to chat a bit more about all of these issues. Um, Trish, um, your kids and questions about the current climate, what are you being asked and how are you answering them?
2: Well, I'm, I'm trying to be kind of honest with them without trying to scare them. Um, what I'm trying to do is just basically tell them, yes, there is a virus out there. Yes, you have to social distance and, you know, washing your hands and stuff like that. And I've tried to explain to them, you know, this is an amazing opportunity for us to do for because we were always, you know, in the car, driving somewhere, doing activities and stuff like that. Um, so... They understand the fact that, yeah, there is a virus out there and they understand that, you know, we need to keep apart to be safe. And they understand that they can't see their friends at the moment. Um, but we're trying to come around that.
1: Mm. Sara Lee, what sort of questions are you fielding?
3: Yeah, oh, good morning, Joe. Good morning. Um, well, I suppose the thing is, like, they understand what's happening. But, like, the thing is, the impact. the impact is kind of somewhat unseen, you know, on their mental health, this new, new normal. Because children, it goes without saying that they need to have that spontaneous movement, play, touch. And they only have the world inside their home, which is not like it's not part like oh say, for example a parent is now a mediator a teacher um a home giver a homemaker a a worker like uh, parents have to embody so many different roles and now the country is in a process of returning to social, socialization so children my kids often like you know ask for facetiming or zooming with other kids but it's just not the same and you see them at that level of interaction they just don't um they're not even talking because the children are not actually talking they learn through play and movement and contact so there is a little bit of I'm experiencing a little bit of regression sometimes that comes out in like behavior and kids will show you how they feel through their behaviors they'll get to like levels of frustration or tantrum they won't know necessarily how to articulate that feeling so you kind of have to engage with them and ask them what's going on and sometimes like it can be very challenging for parents like a I mean, I've talked to a few parents who are finding it extremely hard to structure the full social life of a child inside their homes. Um, you know, and and there's a lot of like you know anxiety about this new kind of rollout without PPA supports and a plan in place by the government to to allow people to meet in the playground and go out. And meet other um, households, you know.
1: And then the parents themselves have never been through a pandemic before. So they're trying to cope with that.
3: Absolutely, like, like, I mean, guinea pig is a word that comes to mind, yeah. and like, it has brought huge insecurity, like you know, and it's not all uniform, Joe either. Now coming out, like, um, I know one lady whose kids haven't gone out the front gate since March, um, and she feels great insecurity about bringing the kids you know, out now because she has a vulnerable person living with her. So it's like, it depends on the dynamic and, you know, what's in the household and what's going on. So it's not altogether
1: uniform. No. Um, Trish, I mean, would you be concerned about the long-term impact on kids of this? Or do you think that if we get to whatever a new normal looks like, they're resilient and they'll get on with it?
2: The the one thing that I had actually thought about was, there is a generation of children now. I can only speak for you know eight to ten year olds, but there's this generation of children now who know what it's like not to hug, not to play, not to interact with other children, and to be kept away. And when they go back, they're going to have to learn a new norm, and they're going to there there is going to be um, some sort of scarring on them for the time that they they've missed out because you're only a kid for so little time that, you know, you want them to experience everything. You want them to play with as many people as they can and, you know, have all these lovely friendships growing up. And this period has really taken that away from them. So I think when they go back, they just have to learn a new norm. But I do feel sorry for them because, you know, you've got a generation of kids now, whether they be small or, you know, medium-sized, that have learned it's not okay to hug your friend. It's not okay to... To, to play with a child in a certain way. And it's, it's quite sad. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think that when they go back to school, you know, the teachers are very good at what they do. And, you know, the majority of parents are very good at, you know, being able to teach the children the new norm. And if you're behaving in a certain way, your kids are going to do that as well. And if you, it's okay to say you're not okay. And if you say you are not okay, your children will be able to turn around to you and say, Mum, I'm not enjoying this, or I don't like this. So, you know, pretending that everything's okay to your children, I have an issue with it. Because sometimes, you know, it's okay to not be okay, and they will be fine. It will all kind of even out over their lifespan but they're just children for so little time. I just think it's
1: quite sad. I mean, the other thing, Sarah Lee, is that six and seven-year-olds, you know, maybe they will want to socially distance from each other and discuss world affairs, but Mm -hmm. more commonly kids want to play together. They want to Mm -hmm. be physically uh, close to each other. How are we going to manage that?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a big... That's a big question. And, like, for the most part, it's been left to the parent. You know, this assumption that the parent is capable and able of um, spanning to that level to support their child. Now, I mean, speaking like, listening there earlier on to the commentary or to the feed that you get out of how people are speaking about you know how parents should manage or maintain i i'm going to speak you know for the parent. parents are undergoing enormous strain enormous pressure i was speaking to a dear friend and um her her child is going through a hard time another woman that i spoke to um, um, you know, her teen. You know, actually had suicidal ideation and was finding the distance from peer groups very difficult. So it's like you know, it's really to understand that like you know, parents need support and there needs to be a level of compassion as well. You know, shown to people that it, this is not this is not normal. Um, circumstance that the world is going through and that, like, you know, people have, you know, need support. And um, especially, like, you know, regarding the return to... The government has helped us into lockdown. It has brought us into lockdown. But how is the government now going to help us out of lockdown, you know, with ease and transition? And um, a lot of people are looking for directives from the government or a plan in relation to how socialized socialisation should take place safely.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And John Shari from Psychologist Parenting is uh, with us along with uh, Limerick Moms Trish Nahan and Sarah Lee Cassidy. Uh, John, what is your advice on this, on communicating with kids, trying to give them a sense of where we are now in the pandemic and transitioning them back to interacting with their pals again?
0: Well, I think uh, there's no one size fits all. I think you have to consider each of your children individually. as the uh, two moms we're talking about, lots um, of children are, are uh, dealing with what's happening quite differently. Some, some are dealing with it quite well and, you know, and very um, responding quite well and adapting. Some are uh, developing quite serious mental health problems in response to it. I think some. I've been working with some teenagers who were probably were anxious to begin with and uh, now become more cut off and finding it hard to go out at all uh, fearful of the, what the virus might mean and <clears throat> but then also they're getting out of the habit of socialising and things like that so so there's a big sort of range or a big spectrum of how children are dealing with it uh, and uh, how parents are dealing with it and, uh, but, but there's a lot more pressure out there so I think you have to sort of pause and sort of tune into where you're at uh, how you're dealing with it as a parent and then think about each of
1: your children individually and what they need but is it possible for children you know of a certain age especially to maintain normal relationships for their age if they have to socially distance?
0: Well I think that's something you can help them do It's better than, it's better for them to meet children at a, at a, at a social distance than not to meet them. That, that's for sure so um, than, than, than say uh, being at home and just seeing people online so it's definitely better to a step forward so that uh, people can play games outdoor games at a a metre or two metres that's possible Um, it's certainly possible to bring children back to school and uh, the the, the Danes have done it and um, they sit at a a distance and they have rituals of hand washing and uh, that's better to to be together than not Uh, have uh, have
1: the Danes managed it in the playground uh, well the Danes will organise
0: certain games and structured uh, things in the playground that are at a distance people can throw a ball to
1: each other people can kick a ball to each other um, and, and this, so, this so, is a serious so, question I'm asking now. I mean, uh, is, is, there, is, there a, is there a difference between Danish children based on their societal structures and Irish children? No.
0: No, okay. that,
1: that, that may sound like the stupidest question in the world, but actually, you know, there is something to be said for it because, you know, there is an impression given, for example, about certain societies that they operate slightly differently to the way we do in Ireland, and that has consequences for that society versus ours.
0: Well, I'm I'm, I'm not sure what what, what you mean. I, I've been to Denmark several times, and. Um, the things that uh, make children the same are more uh, a bigger factors than what makes them different. They have preschools, they have schools. I think we could organise things in the same way. Uh, like it's not ideal, of course, that um, uh, children can't f- interact fully in the normal way. Uh, That's that certainly not the uh, uh, not an ideal situation. But I think it's better to to start making these steps. One thing that Irish government has done well is it has a roadmap. Um, about what um, the children can be doing this week. The the children could meet each other this week and uh, you encourage them to keep their distance and play some games. That's a great step forward. I personally think they should organise for schools to go back um, even in, in very limited ways. The primary schools before the summer just to get the ball rolling, even if the children went in for a day or a couple of days and they divided the classes into uh, classroom could, rather than having the, all the kids there, they might have a, a third of the class there one day and another third the next day. Um, that is all very, very good steps forward and better than the children being uh, at home with their parents all day long. And I think if, if there was a creative response, the schools could open over the summer. Why not? Um, and do things like that uh, as well. We're in a, we're in a crisis situation. The schools haven't operated for several months. They could look at putting some extra things on over the summer. We need to look at step-by-step uh, step getting children
1: back socialising in, in, in a safe way. Okay. Well, that's interesting, Trish. So, uh, you know, th- there is some evidence, as John says, that, you know, it has worked to an extent in Denmark, and if we're creative about it, we can manage it here too. Um, what do you make of that?
2: Well, I, I was actually down at the, the carpet uh, the other night in Kratlow and we were um, getting, you know, presents from the brownie leaders uh, for the children because, obviously, they would missed out on, on the last few months. And I, I met another mum and I said, you know, why don't they, you know, it'd be lovely to see them go back to school, you know, even two days a week, split the class into two and do a half day and then another half day. And the other mum just laughed at me and said, do you really think teachers are going to work until six o'clock? You know, there was kind of like every time somebody made a suggestion, it was, oh, the teachers won't do that. Oh, they won't do that. They won't work through the summer. This has never happened before. And. The kids that are being affected right now, they're not going to remember their homeschooling or they're not going to remember the things that you did with them. They're going to remember the feelings they had during this. They're going to remember either feeling sad or stressed or happy or whatever situation they were in. That's what they're going to remember. It's like when you go on a holiday. You know, you don't remember, you know, stubbing your toe on a rock, but you will remember, oh, my God, I felt so relaxed. So... I really think that any sort of interaction that they can have with children, whether it be through the Zoom, which some of our conversations here on Zoom has lasted two hours. I haven't got my phone back for two hours. And you could see they were craving it. They were absolutely craving it. So if they could go back to school for even two hours, three hours and, you know, a third a third of the class, it would just mean that they have that little bit of interaction and the connections are picked up again and they don't feel so lost. Because I really feel at the moment they feel that they're just in limbo. And if they got back to school in any way, even if it was just to go and play a game of rounders or a game of basketball for an hour with their class in the the schoolyard, Uh, it would just kind of kick things off again.
1: The only thing that has been said to me by some teachers around what you've been saying there, you know, and going back for the summer or whatever, Trish, um, and John's made the point as well, is, you know, they say, well, teachers are parents too. And, oh,
2: absolutely. You know,
1: they, they have their own challenges at home.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and not, you know, when, when some people think of teachers, they think of, you know, fresh out of college. There is so many, um, there's so many students. I was actually thinking about it the other day when, you know, all these summer camps that are going to be cancelled over the summer. Most of the summer camps that we would do would be run by um, college students. And there is an amazing... Um, you know, little industry that could be opened there through the schools for, um, you know, college students to come and basically be mentors or game therapists or whatever for a couple of hours every day just to get the kids back playing again. The school teachers need their break and they, they are parents too and they've got the same struggles that every working parent has. But there is a massive industry that could be opened up there for college students who are missing out on their work during the summer to come and be that person who looks after the children in a yard or in a classroom in small groups for a couple of hours to read a book or play a game.
1: Um, Lee, I mean, what John has said there, would that give you confidence uh, about being able to manage this uh, transition for kids back to, as I say, whatever the new normal will be?
3: Yeah, well, Denmark um, have an amazing child care system, um, as do Germany, um, that, I mean, support parents, both parents, uh, working parents, with um, highly subsidised child care services. Um, I don't know. I don't think the Department of Children and Youth Affairs have even issued um, a, a, a plan um, on how uh, child care services will
1: um will mirror um the, the government's um, so it's a plans. massive dilemma isn't it I mean you know the, the crashes when they reopen, the I mean, talks there's... are ongoing on insurance, all of those things, not to mention the schools. And and that's one of the reasons that people are saying it will be September before schools reopen because of the yeah. planning.
3: And because it's not unified. And also like Leo Vradker has stated that like children are not carriers. Um, yet at the same time like the, the supply of childcare is limited to child, uh, to vital health uh, workers and to frontline staff so it won't be actually rolled out until the latter end of august for everybody else and the reason for that um is by and large because it's it's subsidized um so if you look at like you know horse racing seems to be very important because it's an income generator it brings in revenue i mean that's that seems to be okay. So where where are the parents in terms of of childcare? So are we mirroring Denmark? I'd say not. Mm-hmm. And also with Denmark there's a huge support for um yoga, mindfulness, meditation, something that Ireland doesn't really have an experience of. So we're really going to have to look at how we support um, mental health in education also as part of um, a new strategy um, for supporting mental
1: health in Ireland. Okay, alright, well listen thank you very much for those very interesting views this morning, we really appreciate your time uh, Limerick Mums, Trish Lahan and Sarah Lee Cassidy and John Sherry from Psychologist Parenting
0: Call Limerick Today Now on forty six nineteen ninety five.